Welcome to the Second Success Podcast by Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Getting clear on the mindset for repeatable success. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Today, I'll be joined by my very good friend, the Honourable Richard Evans. He's an entrepreneur, a supply chain developer and an international business owner. We'll get to hear what drives him to succeed and what allowed him to achieve his second success. Richard is what I consider one of the hardest working people I know. His work ethic and continued delivery of value is second to none. And it's just part of what I believe has driven him to be such a huge success. We'll get to hear more from him shortly. But first of all, Happy New Year to everybody and welcome to 2021. I hope you were able to bring in the new year with some kind of celebration. Admittedly, it's been a very quiet holiday period with much of the country in lockdown in various tiers or other. The one thing that doesn't change every year is uh, people's drive to come up with New Year's resolutions and look to fulfil them to make themselves a better person, to be happier, to live healthier or to have a more positive outlook on life. But did you know that 80% of all New Year's resolutions fail? Wow, 80%. Quite a large number, but I guess it shouldn't surprise us really. There are various reasons why people don't follow through with their resolutions, and I'll tell you why. Firstly, people are fearful of achieving their goals and are scared to go beyond their limits. They have a crisis of confidence, they have that imposter syndrome, they believe that they just don't fundamentally deserve what it is that they're trying to achieve. Secondly, it's understanding why you want to actually achieve that New Year's resolution. A lot of people want to get a new job, they want to lose weight, which is very common. They want to eat healthier, they want to stop eating sweets and chocolates, or stop alcohol or stop smoking. Great goals, but not knowing why you want to adopt a new habit is fundamental to why you don't follow through and achieve it. And finally, you don't have that accountability or structure in place to help you achieve your New Year's resolutions or your goals. Overcoming a challenge is so much easier when you have a coach. It's the reason why people turn to coaches, whether that be in the PT space, dietitians, business mentors in terms of growing businesses, or to lead a successful life by having a life coach. And I guess that's why I always see a bit of an uptake in January for people inquiring about my life coaching services. Because some do understand that it's worthwhile having that accountability partner with you to be able to achieve your goals. And if you think working with me as your life coach would be of value, please do drop me a message or get hold of me on rakish.ron or at theclearcoach.com or you can always drop me a message on my mobile which is plus four four seven nine six eight zero two nine nine seven one. And now on to this week's guest. As I mentioned at the top of the programme, this week's guest is a very good friend of mine, the Honourable Richard Evans. He's an entrepreneur, a supply chain developer and an international business owner. Richard began his career in printing, marketing and radio, successfully selling out with fellow directors and his father in 2002 to a major UK PLC. He relocated his prime residence to Vilnius in Lithuania in 2017, establishing high-quality construction supply chain, including promoting off-site manufacturing, timber sales, windows and doors and adventure parks worldwide. Richard has had a very varied business life through which he's amassed many connections and today he considers his network of huge importance and value. Not only does he leverage value from his network, he's a big advocate of providing value too. Let's hear from Richard. Hello Richard and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. Hello, good morning to you. I hope you're well all the way over in Lithuania. I'm very well, thank you very much. I'm starting to feel the cold uh, a little bit, but uh, no, it's very good to hear from you, Rakish, and um, I hope you're well in, in the United Kingdom. It is good, and to be honest, I was expecting to wake up to snow this morning, and lo and behold, typically there's nothing and it's dry, so uh, that's okay, but it is chilly out there. 
I don't envy you being out in Vilnius, and it reminds me of the time we were out there back in 2018. A wonderful place, and I, I love the way they dress it up at Christmas as well. So hopefully one day I'll be venturing out. You're always welcome. Richard, you know, I've known you for a while now, and I've got to say, having experienced what you do firsthand, especially at the time uh, I was with you in Vilnius, I can honestly say I don't know a harder working person than you. And we'll come, we'll come to that. Because I do think that that's what's driving your success right now. It's, it's you know, you obviously are very good at what you do, but it's that work ethic, the underlying work, th- work ethic, I think, that really provides success. But we're going to hear that from you. So let's go back to your success with your printing, your radio work. Give us a brief explanation what you did, but really, what was the mindset that got you that success? Well, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> uh, and you also work very hard, my friend. Um, really, I suppose it comes from my father, it comes from my parents, my grandfather, my mother, um, who always worked really hard. They came from a very um, normal upbringing, shall I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both lived in council accommodation. Uh, my father was from London. Uh, his side of the family were... Uh, his father had 17 brothers and sisters, including one adopted. Can you believe it? Oh, wow. <laughs> one of which was uh, a famous boxer and um, always had that determination to win. And my mother's side were coal miners. So uh, very tough upbringings. And um, it was just from day one, really. It's my era. I'm 52 years mm-hmm. old at the stage that even having, you know, I, I refused to have a paper round, so I went out and cleaned cars. I was very well looked after, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. and a good lifestyle. But um, it was always that determination to be successful and to, to just to work hard. And it's installed in my kids as well, my, my daughters mm-hmm. who are 23 and nearly 23 and 19. So Richard, you say you had that determination to be successful what was the driver did you want to be a success or was it just inbuilt in you through your upbringing that you have to work hard to succeed what was it was it the success or the work uh yes a really good question because i love working i like i mean even working out at the gym um i boxed previously for short periods uh i skied so you used to ski hard play hard work hard uh which is i know we're all trying to create balance but it's the exhilaration of the work. It's not, you know, the money mm. is a byproduct of that. The concentration yeah. to me is the fact that, you know, yes, it was installed and it wasn't a case of, well, my father, my mother work hard. That means I have to work hard to prove mm. myself. No, I have nothing to prove. Um, I feel that working hard is, um, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting statement. What does it actually mean? I think that if you enjoy what you do, you Mm. don't consider it to be work. And working hard is really an exhilaration of endorphins and Mm. um, pushing yourself to a comfortable limit. Uh, So I actually enjoy it. I enjoy the interaction and the fact that even as a gardener, uh, working and keeping fit and um, stimulating the endorphins and, 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 and slimmer in those days, of course, uh, was a really great buzz. And that's mm. really why I enjoy working hard. And, uh, you know, that, that's really it. 
that's good to hear. The reason I say that is when I'm working with my clients, you know, they all come to me wanting to achieve goals, wanting to achieve success. But what we try and then work on is actually that journey, the journey aspect of falling in love with what you're doing, the process of it all, because it's only through that you're going to get the enjoyment. Like you said, these endorphins, the, the enjoyment, the drive comes from doing rather than the actual achievement of the results that come out of it. You've got to fall in love. It's the productivity levels as well. And also the fact is that being around people that share a similar vision, you're never going to get someone that shares exactly the same vision. And I, I'm always very, you know, uh, vocal with the supply chain, the partners, without them, you know, nothing would happen to say, listen, these, this is my objective. These are my ambitions. But it doesn't mean that I'm here to try and convince you to work the way that I work. Mm. Um, not you know, the way that I work doesn't suit everybody. And people's interpretations of working hard are, are numerous. Um, it does make <laughs> me laugh. Um, in terms of um, that working hard and achieving success, you've started out early in life, working hard, achieve success, then in printing and radio work. Again, is that something that you went after? Or is that, was that a byproduct of just doing things and applying that work ethic to it? Yeah, I, I was brought up into a hardworking family that were in the print industry. We came from Watford. My great-grandfather on my father's side was a, was a printer. My grandfather was a union representative. My mother worked in the factory. Um, my father was in print. My sister was in print. My auntie was in print. My grandmother was in print. You get the idea. So it's kind of installed in you. But, uh, but then again, I didn't know what I wanted to do because it was one of those things. It's like, okay... I was brought up in Watford. It's a printing town. Mm. Uh, what do I do? Do I join the family business? I had no interest in working with my father as much as I love him. Um, I did actually eventually end up working with him and it was 12 years, um, you know, pleasurable experience. But it's really um, the fact is that I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I had no idea. I mean, you get to that age and that's one thing I've always said to my children is that don't feel the stress you know, I have ideas of what would be nice for you to do. But at the end of the day, girls, it's really up to you what you want to do. I can only guide you so far. My father and mother were the same. Mm. Um, they were like, listen, you don't have to go into printing. But, you know, there's a course in Watford and maybe try that and see how you get along. And that's yeah. what I did. So it was never like, you know, that kind of installation. I'm a doctor, so therefore my son must be a doctor. You know, mm. it wasn't at all. It was just, listen, son, you need to get a job <laughs> and you need to train and yeah. you need to work hard. So good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just chose print by chance and then fell into radio, into pirate radio, introduced my father's company to Kiss FM, um, who we knew very well. And I had the opportunity to set up my own radio station, but at the time I didn't have the experience and the DTI which is a commissioning body, mm. uh, gave us a choice for a specific region, which I didn't know where it was. It was only in Northamptonshire. So I kind of, if I had the experience now at 52, I would have taken that and I would have grown it and grown multiple stations. So it's just easier for me to say, Dad, there's a station in London. It's really cool. Uh, they want to get a license. And he and his colleagues enabled the 100 frequency. That was via a guy called Keith McDowell, who was married to Brenda Dean, who was the um, head of SOGAP, the, the print union. So it's all interrelated to what we were doing. That's now sparked in me the thought of 
you know, you've mentioned some names there, but that's kind of what you're known for as well. You you have a big network. You are a person that connects people and gets, you know, like saying, a very high level connector. For somebody who would be working hard, got their head buried and just doing, 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 you've actually had that time to build really strong relationships throughout your life. How have you managed that? Because this is a question I, you know, I say to people right now, you know, that was a mistake I did. I didn't build my network at a young age. It's only later in life. So I tell a lot of young people I speak to now, start building your network, start providing value, start building these relationships. How did you manage it? That is a very good question. And something I say to my kids all the time is to keep in with people. Do not burn your bridges. From a very young age, I've got friends now, and I think this says a lot about yourself and other people and myself, is that I've got friends now I've known since I was very, very young. So I've always kept in touch. Uh, and that's one of the beauties of social media to keep you know, in touch with people via Facebook, internationally, friends all over the world. So I think that how I did it was really, is that I've always, I love people. Not all people, but most people, I would say that I, I really like people and I like human interaction and friends, really good friends like you that I consider a brother. Um, you get that natural attraction towards them as, mm. as a friend. And so from my point of view, the biggest learning curve was seeing how my um, father and colleagues that I worked with when I worked at Centurion Press they, the way that those guys, not just my father, other people, networked was incredible. So we go to a conference and mm. the trick is, is to get their details. It's never to hand out your card like confetti. And it's really the, the biggest thing that the reason why I was able to create so many, but the quality of introductions that I was being introduced to. And I think the biggest learning curve that I met is that if you met someone is to instantly message them. It doesn't have to be a long message. It mm. can be like, it was really good to meet you tonight. I hope that we can catch up in the future. So at one point, my biggest year of networking was 2013. I was meeting over 100 people a week. That was via attending events, art events. Um, and it was, to be honest with you, the biggest year of drinking I've ever done, which I kind of like, it's not good, but it's very difficult to do a social event and not have to, you know, it's a hard job, but joking apart, eating canapes, yeah. drinking uh, ridiculous amounts of, of champagne to be sociable. And that was at the point then I realized that really I needed to tone that side of down. I needed some balance mm. and to, you know, focus more on attending, but leaving as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very easy <laughs> to get caught up in that London networking scene. So, Richard, in terms of that, then, and this is the thing, you know, I um, when I started my coaching practice, I used to do a lot of networking. And to be honest, you're right. You, you, your network is your net worth. But however, you realize very early on that there's a lot of people that you meet. I'm not saying it's a waste of time or a waste of space as such. But how do you know, in terms of your experience, whether somebody's worth building a relationship with? Is it some certain instant or do you find that actually it takes a couple of meetings for then you to really figure out what this person's about? Wow, that's a, another really good question. I'm, I've met some of the most incredible people in my life. So, <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, all ages, I met someone recently um, who uh, represents a timber company, 25 years old, the head of a, a 50 year old. I'm always very supportive of women because, you know, mm. it's women empowerment. And because I'm the 
and I've got two daughters and I was brought up with girls and mm. so um you know to me it doesn't matter how old they are what their background is you know if it's male or female but if someone really impresses me and and the same for a guy I met recently that we're doing modules with I mean absolutely from the minute I met him mm. I thought this guy is going places this mm. is you know he comes over to be sincere you can't always get it right I have yeah. a very good BS detector, uh, a gut <laughs> feeling that yeah. when I meet people, I can pretty much say whether I think that they're worth pursuing. And it's whether it's not just about the fact if I can add value to their lives, can they add value yeah. to mine? Does it have to be a two way street? Mm. Not necessarily so in mm. business to or, or anything, charity or whatever you're doing doesn't have to be money wise. It's can that person add value to my life if that person can't then maybe i can add value to their life and it's got to be you know you've got to move away from this i'm a networker i network so what mm. you know what value do you give and what are you how yeah. are you going to monetize that network mm. you know how are you going to what's going to come from that and i find that those key indicators within a few seconds of whether it be me 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 or us 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 Mm. You know, you can work out, but it is a two way street. I find that in London, it's a highly sophisticated networking environment. Uh, other countries or other areas may not be so orientated towards that American way of network. Um, so, yeah, I can tell pretty quickly, I would say. And there are a lot of people that network just for the sake of networking, mm -hmm. whereas I am on a very serious mission when mm. I network to meet people to grasp the situation and to leave the room as soon yeah. as I can. Well, well, I was going to say, I've witnessed that firsthand because, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we don't get to meet that often, especially this year. But even before the times we would meet, maybe would be at an event, you know, we'd have a quick cello. But I'd be very conscious, actually, that's a place of work for you. So it's not a case for us to catch up, maybe have a drink or have some food. But actually, it's, you're in a working environment. So I've seen you go around very much work orientated. And it isn't about just having a laugh or having fun, admittedly, at a networking event is about enjoyment as well, but very particular that this is a focused event and it is about work. It's about creating those connections and possibly providing value or getting value back as well, So, Yeah, and thinking who you're with. I mean, who, you know, it wouldn't, you know, if you're going with a girlfriend, a boyfriend or whatever, it's never a good idea when you're networking because you won't be able to give that person the attention. I've, ta <laughs> I've taken my wife to an event once and uh, yeah, she was unfortunately just stuck away in a corner somewhere while I networked. So, and she did say to me, please don't take me one to one of your events again. Yeah, and it's the same with your children and everyone else. If there's someone very special in your life, you wouldn't go with them um, because you're not giving the attention that they may or may not deserve. So from, from my point of view is, is that you, you know, having boxed and um, also when you're in the ring, when you're in the room, you're in the zone. Your, your, your job there is to do whatever, whether it be a charity event, there's a role to be fulfilled. It's not just about work, work, work. And there are events I go to where I've brought friends along where I shouldn't have, and I thought, oh dear, because they want to talk about other things. Yeah. And you go, and then you realise, actually, there is zero chance of me capitalising on this event. So mm. I may to just chill out, <laughs> relax, and have a laugh. But on the other hand, you know, the first thing is working effectively, productively when you go to an event is to meet the most important people within the first five minutes to exchange, make that impression, get their details and follow up the next day. And then after that, I mean, you can 
you can grow the relationship, but it's um, networking for the sake of it. I'm not really into, I do have enough contacts, but now I'm very much looking for amazing contacts rather than just meeting everyone. That takes us to, I guess, what you're doing now. And this is where I, you know, we are, we've known each other for maybe four or five years now, but yeah. very quickly, very close and get a good understanding of what each other do. And again, like I said, I saw you firsthand doing your work out in Vilnius, speaking with suppliers and in the whole modular, modular industry and now also PPE, something that was absolutely new to you. However, you've educated yourself, you've made the right connections and now you're sourcing and doing the right level of work. Tell me, what's taken you from that first success and this whole new success that you have? What's been the mindset? What are the three key attributes that you've taken from your previous life to something completely different now? Number one would be it's a people business. It's all about relationships. Mm. Number two, it's about collaboration. Number three, it's about transparency. Okay. And sharing, and really, if I could add probably 10 more, but another one is the like minds, um, morality, uh, morals, ethical approach. It's the determination and drive to come out of an industry that, let's be honest, the printing industry collapsed. The margins weren't there. I came from a, a business which was very successful. We sold it right at the right time. The, the timing was absolutely perfect. It was uh, potentially deal of the century in print terms. And then working in that industry again, and all of a sudden the market um, changed rapidly. The margins diluted from the mid twenties to 16. And at that time, I thought, you know what? This is time to get out. This industry has changed. Unfortunately, it wasn't the best proud moment of my life. Mm. I had to, you know, close the company down. So, and then moved into um, high level connecting and now more recently into modular construction and also into timber sales. Um, and it's the same basic principles, Rakesh. You know, it's, it's, it's about people and it's about yeah. engagement yeah. and it's about transparency and openness and mm. it's about building friendships and trust and driving that forward and making yourself a priority to them, going to meet them face-to-face -face rather than just constantly sending emails and WhatsApp messages. And I think that's what I've observed with you. It's you'll travel, you'll do the traveling. And I know being out in Vilnius, you're still traveling to the Baltic countries. So it's not as if you're just sitting yourself in Vilnius, you're traveling out to factories, you're traveling out meeting people. And you're right. When you make the effort to go and meet somebody, they feel valued. They actually think that you care and you're right. It creates that element of trust. And when you've created trust, People want to work with you and want to do business with you. That sounds quite common sense. But what about when you come along and you need to do a piece of business, but you don't get along with the person? And I hear this with a lot of people. I don't like so-and-so, but this will be important for my career. What kind of advice would you give where necessarily you're not getting on with the person, but it could be a quite a good business deal to do? Do you do it? Ethics come in? Transparency come in? What happens? Wow. <laughs> That's a deep question <laughs> and a great question. I... I find most people, I, perhaps I'm lucky that I surround myself by, are pretty amazing. Um, you know, it's not everyone's amazing, of course. The industry I work in is full of, I mean, Lithuanians are really open, uh, nice, friendly people, pretty much. And they're very relaxed. Mm. Um, so I would find that, you know, from my point of view, I don't 
work with people I don't connect with. I don't mm. work with people that I don't like. It would have to be a pretty strong reason. I mean, I'm kind of like judgmental, but in another way, really appreciate people's opinions mm. and backgrounds. And, you know, so basically there's not a lot of people that I wouldn't like, but I'm sure there's lots of people that don't like my style. Um, but at the end of the day, we have a common goal to achieve. So I think people should put those differences aside and to get to where you want to be. But on the other hand, I would never ever do business at any price. I have clients that I spoke to 40 minutes ago. Mm. To me, it's not about the commissions. It's not about the money. Money, yes, I like making money. I'm very commercial. But on the other hand, it's about working and achieving what you've promised. At the end of the day, it's about making um, sure that you deliver you know, money doesn't really come into it, you know, from my point of view. So I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I won't break any bones with you. I'll only work mm. with people I like. But yeah. then again, you know, they'd have to be pretty difficult for me to not want to work with them. You are a very hard worker. You've got ethics. You've got a certain stature. You've had success. So in what in the way you work, I believe you are inspirational to others. You also bring other people up with you and bring people up to a certain standard. So it's almost like people will observe you and may want to emulate the way you work. And therefore, it could be easier for you to work with them because actually you're, you're bringing them along on that journey. For those that don't have the experience that you have, I think are quite challenged. And I think and again, I think this may come down to having to make some of these mistakes, making the mistakes of working with people that actually, you know what, I shouldn't have worked with them and learning from those experiences. Have you ever had that where, you know, early on in your life where you've done business with people and you, think, you look back on it and think, oh, gosh, that didn't work out. I don't won't be working with that person again. But actually, it's just a learning curve. And that's what's built up your intuition now. Yes. I mean, I, I used to be a gardener and I did some gardening for a lady that was happy to pry, to pay our price. Her husband came back from holiday and then um, said that they didn't want to pay me. Um, and didn't even come up with a compromise, you know, and because I was young at the time, I accepted it. And, um, you know, you, you learn by experience. And it's um, at the same time, you can't have your chip on your shoulder no. because not everyone's the same and different situations and different understandings. And the, the trick is my advice. You've asked me the question, what would I advise? Mm. I would advise someone to never assume makes an ass out of you and me. Mm -hmm. um, and despite the fact that you've had bad experiences in life, that you should always give people the chance. Yeah. Um, I, I critically say I give people enough rope to hang themselves, which is a pretty tough statement, but it's true. And I, you know, people, lots of people will think that they're winning. They're winning with you until they get a stark reminder that actually they're dealing with somebody that's experienced and I kind of like let it go, maybe in a little sadistic way sometimes to let them think that they're winning with me. Um, and then other times I've met some pretty hard negotiators in my time. I've dealt mm. with billionaires. I've dealt with market traders. You know, I mean, it, it depends. But yeah. it's I, I think the thing is, is that you really should never assume, never judge as much. I mean, everyone judges. Um, they can't help it. It's human nature. Um, but from my perspective is that you should just let nature take its course. And there are people that come into my life. There's a couple at the moment 
that think that they're playing me and they're clearly going to get a big shock soon. And that's <laughs> fine because I quite enjoy it, actually. And if I have to give them a polite slap, I will. Not, not physically, by the way. No, and of course. You get it with children. It's called pushing the boundaries of yeah. messing you about, changing dates, making, making lies about why they couldn't meet with you and bending the truth uh, to the point of me thinking, don't bullshit me. Um, you can't bullshit a good bullshit, ex pardon my expression. Um, you know, it's like, come on, be real right here, right now. Uh, be real with me. You know, don't, don't, don't string me a line. You know, if, if you've got a reason you don't want to meet me, you can't be bothered. You're too tired. You're too lazy. You're not in the right framework. You haven't got the right, right mindset. Just be honest with me, but do not lie to me. Mm -hmm. I always say I give people two chances and then that's it. Uh, if they need me, they need to come and chase me. They get one, one, one or three or four or five um, because you can never assume. Well, for whatever reason, because at that time they might have mental problems. They might have a father that's dying, a mother that's got cancer. You don't know because they might want, want to tell you and there might be reasons for that. So, you know, sometimes you've got to give a little bit of slack. But uh, yeah. Do you know what? You talking in this way, it's I'm thinking, you know what? When I was younger and OK, you know, I had role models in terms of my uh, uncles, you know, teachers, etc. But, you know, when it comes to business and wanting to know what you want to do in life, you, you know, the words that you're saying, I personally think for somebody coming through are going to be very inspirational and it's something to hook on to. Do you mentor anybody? Do you find people that come along to, you know, especially youngsters saying, could you mentor me or do you have anybody under your wing? Or is that something that you'd even think that you'd want to do? Yeah, I think I do it naturally. Going back to what you said earlier, um, you know, I met a cab driver the other day in uh, Konus, which is the second capital of Lithuania. Mm. And he said, what, what are you doing here? They always ask me, it's the Uber question, you know, <laughs> the Uber driver question, yeah. uh, which everyone asks, why did you come to Lithuania? And I explained mm. that I met the commercial attache. They mm. encouraged me to do business here because of the, um, uh, the tradesmanship here, the craftsmanship. And I started talking to him he said, I want to be where you are. I want to do what you will do. And I said, well, okay, fine. Tell me more. So he said, well, you know, I've had a tough time. My father passed away. I'm a young guy. I'm really, you know, I've got a degree. Um, I'm really hardworking. How did you do what you did? And I said, well, sorry, you're taking me to the bus station. Give me your email and we'll have a chat because there's no way I'm going to answer that question. But you know what the bases are, my friends? is it's self-determination, motivation, having a reason to get up in the morning, working hard and being honest and being, being uh, working smart, but being, uh, you know, a good negotiator, but at the same time being reasonable and realistic. And mm -hmm. it's got to be a win-win situation. You know, yeah. everyone has to win. There's no point operating on the basis it's all about me and I make money and I don't care about anybody else, which is a lot of people do. To be honest with you, it's really off-putting. Um, it's about everyone genuinely winning. Partners, an overused word nowadays. Partners. Mm, yeah, what do you mean by that? What is a partner, a business partner? They, they use that. It's a common, you know, lots of corporates use it. My experience of partnerships are good and very bad, to be honest. Um, and my interpretation of partnership, that is the key element of of forming these relationships 
people are too short-sighted mm. and they need to think long-term, not just for the sake of money, but for the fact of maybe from a spiritual point of view, that it's about genuine relationships. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I have no shortage of contacts. I get lead generators connecting me all the time. We can give you more leads. I don't need more leads. I need more meaningful relationships. I completely understand. Completely understand. I'm like that. I have people coming to me all the time in that sense. And to be honest, it's personally, I prefer a relationship of value in terms of context, of language, spirituality, rather than wealth. It, for me, it's not about the money. We keep going back to it. It's the journey, journey aspect of it. Am I going to enjoy my time with you? To me, that's more important than can I make money from you? And every second counts. I mean, absolutely every second counts with me as you get older. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm 52. Can you imagine what a 90-year-old feels like? But the time that I spend with people is, to me, is really special. Family as a priority. Friends come very close to that, like yourself. I'd love to spend more time with you. Uh, we always, often, you and I talking about our, our um, trips and stuff. So <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's, look, you know, we'd all like to, time is of the essence and who we all wish to spend our time with. And I'm pretty ruthless on that, to be honest. I know. Well, do you know what, Richard? It probably brings us to a good time where I have to say, do you know what? I can only say thank you for your time and appreciate your words of wisdom. I've personally found, you know, I, I know your story. I know, you know, you've told me many times of what you used to do, what you're doing now, but to understand the, the driving forces behind it and how you do it, I think, is invaluable to anybody that might be listening. And I really hope that people take inspiration and motivation to go and actually take some action. People talk and think about things all the time, but they don't act. And I think by listening to you, I'm hoping somebody, one person takes that inspiration to go and achieve something. It'll have been time well spent. So thank you very much. Thank you, Rakesh. It's been an absolute pleasure. And that was the Right Honourable Richard Evans, as we heard, an extremely passionate and driven individual who I'm very fortunate to call a very good friend. The one thing I take from Richard's story is that no matter what we do and achieve in life, there's always more to be done and more to be achieved. We always have goals in life and when we achieve those goals, or those goals change, it's quite easy that we can find something else to do. And in doing so, we need to be able to enjoy that journey and what we do. Too often we're stuck in set ways and we don't want to change. And that just comes from our innate want for stability and for comfort. All we achieve from comfort and stability is stagnation though. And anybody that listens to this show will know that if we want to achieve huge success or multiple successes, we need to embrace change and we need to continue to look out for new opportunities and try different things. Yes, there will always be challenges, there will always be naysayers, but in the end, if you want to achieve something, you've got to go out and get it for yourself. This is the only time that you have, so go out and make the most of it. And with that, I'd like to leave you this week with a scene from one of my favourite movies, The Goonies. I'm not a goonie. I want to go home. I forgot. But still, don't you realize? The next time you see Sky, it'll be over another town. The next time you take a test, it'll be in some other school. Our parents, they want the best of stuff for us. But right now they gotta do what's right for them. Cause it's their time. Their time. Up there. Down here it's our time. It's our time down here. 
That's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. Thank you for listening to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach.